Welcome into another episode of Behind the Catch Fence. I'm your host, David Hoffman. Welcome to episode 38, which is the Laguna Seca trip recap, where IndyCar and Laguna Seca, they credentialed me to go out to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca and cover the IndyCar weekend there in Monterey, California. And needless to say, that was a trip that nobody really saw coming, and um, it was absolutely a dream come true. Um, and we will go over the entire trip. We'll show a couple souvenirs, we'll show all sorts of clips. I'm gonna photo dump, video dump every single possible photo and video that I have that I took from that weekend. And it's gonna come all on here. I'm gonna tell you about some of the interviews that I was able to get, including seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson, which is huge. And you know, I'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about our interesting experience going to a burger joint that's pretty famous in California. I'm sure some of you already know what that is and so much more. But before I begin, uh, you guys should go listen to some of my other podcasts, which are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and obviously YouTube. And uh, you guys can go watch that. And if you haven't watched the Long Beach recap from last week, episode 37, go check that out. There's a lot of great insight from that race, this, you know, from that weekend. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. <laughs> Now, a little bit of a backstory on how this whole trip to Monterey, California, of all places, which is completely across the country for me. Uh, so I had applied for credentials probably four or five weeks prior to the event, and you know I didn't really expect anything. And then all of a sudden, I was walking through uh, Liberty University's bookstore looking for a shirt or two, and then I get this email that said, uh, you know, you're credentialed, and it said yes for everything. You're like, whoa 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 now so you're freaking out you're calling your fiance calling your parents you're like this is insane this this can't be true uh so it was a huge deal because you know just being a lifelong motorsports fan and you know working for this for two years now started this podcast in may of 2019 it was such a huge huge just like wow like you know you were just just absolutely floored that the fact that wow this is actually happening so we got all the stuff figured out with travel and everything. You're like, oh my gosh, this is actually going to happen. It didn't really hit until travel day, which had to wake up at 2 a.m., I believe. And then we left around 2.30 in, in the morning. You didn't go to bed till like 10 or 11 because you're just so wired. You're like, so like, all right, I'm so ready. Let's go right now. We'll drive. I don't know how many days, but thankfully planes are a lot faster. Uh, so we woke up around 2, 2.15, something like that. And then we drove all the way over to uh, BWI got through security, and you're still pretty much just like, I mean, your eyes are burning because you're still really tired. Contacts are killing you. But, you know, you get on the plane, the plane leaves at like, oh gosh, maybe like 6 a.m., something like that. So we go from Baltimore all the way out to Denver. So we're already getting bumped back like two hours. So mountain time, I believe, is two hours. And, uh, you know, so you get there in Denver and which is the first time I've actually, like, no, we've been in Denver before, but that was a long time ago. I was probably 11 years old when that happened. And so we were in Denver for an hour layover. You're not feeling too bad with jet lag. You're still pretty much wired and really, really just excited to get there. And then, you know, we got in Denver and flew all the way out to San Jose. And when we got to San Jose, here's where the fun starts to begin. So when we're in San Jose, which is about three out, yeah, three hours time difference now. And you're like, whoa, hold on a second. This is only 11 a.m. <laughs> we haven't been on the plane for too long. But then you realize, oh, wait, it's like 2, 3 p.m. over where we you know, normally live. 
And that was, that was really crazy to think about because I'm not used to the three hour time difference. Um, but, you know, so when we got our bags, walked out to the main area uh, outside of the airport, all of a sudden I just see on a, a couple like lamp posts, uh, a poster of the, um, of the event, you know, Grand Prix of Monterey, and it had Scott Dixon's car, which the great Bill Patterson artist uh, had uh, created. So shout out to him. He did a fantastic job. Always does great work. Make sure to go check him out. Bill Patterson art and uh, you know so I was like whoa this is actually really cool you know like it's starting to set in a little bit more and then we go and you know get signed in for uh, getting a rental car and then while we're waiting to get on the elevator then all of a sudden <laughs> now Indy Lights champion Kyle Kirkwood comes walking up which I'm like wait a second <laughs> so that's pretty crazy you're like all right now it's starting to get real so we're on the elevator with Kyle Kirkwood and then when we get up to where we were getting uh, our Hertz uh, rental car, then um, like while we're standing there, like I guess we have like the I don't know how I guess my dad's done a lot of rental car services with work trips and whatever else, and then all of a sudden he um, he's like, yeah, we have like VIP. You have to choose anything from like VIP like uh, cars, and pretty much the only one really available was a um, Ford Mustang, a nice royal blue ford mustang just sitting right there i'm like let's do it my dad's like are you sure about that but i'm like i'm like yeah if you're gonna be going doing something like this let's full send it so got that rental car and uh which i thought was really cool at the time but started to be a little bit more weird so this is what was kind of weird so you open up the door of the ford mustang and and there's an underglow which the ford mustang logo glows underneath each door and you're like whoa what in the world this is a little bit extra and the more you saw it you kind of laughed you're like all right this is a little bit weird but hey <laughs> it was still cool uh, i'm not going to go into rental car uh reviews that'd be an interesting channel wouldn't it uh so you know we drove all the way down to uh monterey um and we uh got there and then i uh, picked up credentials and uh which I thought was really cool. They gave us a free poster, which is up here. It's kind of hard to see, uh, but yeah, I'll show a picture of that here. And um, yeah, that was a really cool poster first off, but you know, I picked up credentials. You look at the credential for the first time and you're like, whoa, okay, this is real. This says media on it. <laughs> like this isn't just like a general mission ticket or something like that. So uh, I got to the hotel and that pretty much wraps up day one. <laughs> Now, welcome to Friday. Friday was probably the craziest of all days for IndyCar action there, for me at least. Uh, so Friday was media frenzy day. So before I get into the media frenzy stuff, uh, so we woke up, adrenaline's still going hard. You know, we pro I still probably only got like six hours, five, six hours of sleep. Uh, you feel a little bit tired, but that's completely thrown out the window as soon as you know that I'm going to a racetrack today. Like, you know that feeling when you've gone so far travel-wise, and then you're like, oh yeah, like, I don't care how much sleep I get. If I get zero hours of sleep, like, I'm full sending it. Um, but, so we got to the track. Uh, we had to go all the way up, like, this windy road to get up to, like, the main, you know, gate where you get your ticket scanned and your media pass scanned and everything, and that was one of the coolest experiences, kind of flying up through, and um, I'd never seen, like, a track like this where they have, like, those big big old signs that you're like, wow, okay, this is cool. So you got like a Porsche, MotoGP, and I forget what the other one was, but you're going up through and then you eventually get up to the track. And uh, so we parked and then 
after that, you know, walked over to the bridge where you walk over to, to get to the paddock and uh, your sports car is ripping on by. So that was pretty cool. You're like, oh my gosh, this is real. And um, so you're walking up through the bridge. It's a really nice bridge, by the way. It's funny because uh, later on in the weekend, you start seeing more rubber inside the bridge. And it's funny because it's like, yep, there's a lot of cars ripping by. And it's crazy that how much just rubber gets laid down and then gets flown up into the bridge. So I'm wondering if anyone got hit with a little, like a little hint of rubber um, from the tires over the weekend. I'm sure someone did, but I'm sure they're like, yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, you got settled in, you asked a couple of people where the media center was at. And when I eventually found it, I walked in and you're immediately just like completely floored and just like, whoa now, okay, this is real. So they had everything from just monitors to show lap times to monitors that had the Peacock or NBC uh, feed. And then they had uh, so many just different amenities and you just walk in, there's like so many just power strips, which is really helpful. And um, you know, you walk in, you see so many photographers on the right. Um, and uh, you know, I walk in, introduce myself to a couple people, and then uh, you know, I got settled in, sat down, found a spot, wrote down on the uh, little card where my spot was gonna be, which is up here as well, I believe that's right there. And um, then you know, and then I'm like, all right, it's almost time to go exploring. <laughs> So, you know, I ended up walking through the garage area, paddock area. Also, random thought. Why in the world, okay, why does NASCAR call it a garage area and IndyCar, everyone else calls it a paddock? I just feel like it gives a little bit more flair if you say paddock. That's just my personal opinion, but we're not going to go into that NASCAR or IndyCar or F1, whatever. But continuing on. So you're walking through the paddock area and uh, you know you hear some of the teams revving up their cars, getting them ready to go. I think the first team I saw was Elio Castroneves. They're getting their stuff ready to go. And uh, just the thing that just was really cool is this, which I haven't really been able to be in a paddock area since 2019 when uh, my dad and I went to mid-Ohio. And that was crazy how long ago that was at this point, before pandemic and everything. And uh, so you're walking around, and this, the thing that really just always strikes me about IndyCar is the fact that you can walk up right, literally, like, from me to you, like, that's how close you can get to the cars, and then, you know, as they're going through tech lines, and you can easily go up and get, like, a nice video or a picture, or take a picture with the car, or, like, as close as humanly possible, reach out touch it, and that's the one thing that really stands out to me is just, even with any motorsport, is just the fact that when you're walking out there, you can easily just like tell just like the liveries on these cars are just so beautiful. Like in the sunlight, it's just no picture, no video. It doesn't matter the quality. You just can't top that. And just with the, you know, just how they look, just like you just, they just look like, yeah, this feels nice. Like it's just like so smooth and like every livery just looked so gorgeous out in the sunlight and just in person. And, uh, and then like, you know, and I think this is really cool, just the fact that when you're walking through the paddock area, you're able to see like the winglets and the, just like the pieces off the car just hanging there and they're ready to get slapped on the car. And, you know, it's just a lot of cool footage that you're able to get through the paddock area. Um, so then when I was done walking through there for a while, speaking of that, we're going to get a lot of steps in to say the least. Um, yeah, so then when we're walking and then, uh, you know, you start seeing a couple people, there's a lot of people clamoring for autographs, which is crazy to think that I used to be one of those kids going out there 
chasing people down to get an autograph. Uh, it's crazy just how you go from that side of things all the way over to now with being in the media and this is still weird to me. But, you know, it has kind of helped. I feel like with getting autographs like that, I think it's kind of cool as a kid, especially if you want to get into like media. I think it really helped me with feeling more comfortable with drivers and how to approach them in like in a respectful way, especially since if, you know, if you want to get like an interview or something, because I know I tried practicing interview questions all the time when I was a little bit older while I was getting autographs, you know, as let's say James Hinchcliffe was signing, hey, how's the car doing this weekend? Or what do you feel you want to work on it? That kind of thing. And it kind of helped you kind of move into the more media side. And, uh, you know, it's just been a great transition. Then eventually it was time for the media bullpen, which was crazy thinking about the fact that, oh my gosh, you know, I've never been to a bullpen before for, um, you know, IndyCar media. And so as you see in the picture, um, as you're walking in, it's just like this little fencing area. And I had really done a lot of research, watched a couple videos of other people doing it. And, uh, you know, as you're walking around, you're like, okay, how is this going to work? Because, you know, you've seen videos before, you've heard about it. But, you know, uh, you're just like waiting, you have like 10 minutes. So I set up my tripod and everything, you know, I'm ready to go. I had questions pre-planned, but as soon as uh, the first driver that walked in was Dalton Kellett, AJ Foyt Racing driver, and all those, <laughs> all those questions that flew out the window, you're like, all right, I'm not gonna bother trying to think of these questions. I'm just gonna let it flow and try and just do the best that I can. And uh, so Dalton Kellett was first up and uh, I was able to talk to him and uh, he gave a lot of great insight just on AJ Foyt racing and then um, just how his season has gone. And then it started to get a bit more crazy. More media started piling in. And then before we knew it, I feel like we were almost packed in there like sardines. And uh, and then Marcus Erickson talked to him for a little bit. Oh my gosh. And then everyone starts to pile in from Chip Ganassi Racing. So Scott Dixon, I was able to talk to Alex Pillow. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was the last driver I was able to talk to. He was number one on the list just because watching NASCAR for all those years and continuing to watch it, obviously, but watching him dominate, <laughs> I remember I was a kid and I just despised Jimmy Johnson at the time just because I'm like, he wins too much, you know, as a kid. As a Tony Stewart fan and the whole Home Depot-Lowe's rivalry, I really dug into that But at the time. But, you know, just to see Jimmy trying something new in IndyCar, that's such a huge thing that not I think people need to respect a lot more. And he's one of the greatest guys in this motorsports just as being so humble and just being the person that he is. He's such a great guy. And uh, so he was one that I was able to talk to and... And Scott McLaughlin coming over from Supercars. That was such a cool thing to talk to him. Just his transition over. Oh, gosh. And then, was there anyone else? That, oh, Connor Daly talked about his fantasy football team, how he's been doing with that. So that was really fun. Um, you know, and I guess, like, once you start getting into the rhythm of things, everything flows. Oh, and how can we not talk about four-time Indy 500 champion Elio Castroneves? We were able to talk to him. Uh, so that was cool just to see him in person uh, for the first time interviewing him. I know we were able to talk to him a couple months ago right before he won the Indy 500. So that was such a cool thing to be able to do. And, and yeah, it was a bit of an adjustment from Zoom calls, which I've been pretty accustomed to the past year. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're people and um, they're just all great guys in general. And it was very easy to talk to them. And I think it's just cool because you're able to really think as they're answering questions, you're able to think more all right, you know, what What are they saying? What can I apply to the next question? And uh, I think that helped it go a lot more smooth. 
And um, then, obviously, like I said before, Jimmy Johnson, that the last guy, he and I were the last two in there doing media stuff. And and when he comes up to you, you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, that's a memory I'm going to always cherish, and hopefully I'll be able to interview him a lot more. But media bullpen eventually was over in an hour. That was probably the quickest hour of my lifetime. Uh, so then you went back, you were editing some clips in the media center, posting those out. Um, you can guys can go check those out on our Twitter account at Behind Catch and Instagram as well. And um, so that pretty much wraps up day two of Laguna Seca. Also, the lunch there for the media was really good. I will admit, you know, you got a fresh sub uh, with ham and cheese, whatever whatever else you wanted to put on it, and then. I always feel like the perfect meal, as long as you have some type of chocolatey dessert, it's going to be good. I'm just saying. So they came with uh, some M&M cookies, little mini ones. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is perfect. 10 out of 10 lunch right there. So shout out to whoever figured out the lunches for the IndyCar media. That was fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, and then we had a brief practice where Colton Herta and Joseph Newgarden were P1 and P2. Uh, they came into the media center and did um, press conferences, so that was cool to see for the first time and to see how the whole layout is. You know, you have a, uh, a reporter come up uh, to like this little microphone and then they'd ask a question and then, you know, they'd have Zoom people coming in and answering, asking questions and overall it was just a great experience from day one. And uh, of course I had to make a recap video for day one, at least at the track. I'm getting day one and day two messed up, but yeah, so day one at the track, I uh, did a recap video, you guys can see that. Uh, it's also on here on YouTube, and uh, that pretty much sums up our second day in total at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, and uh, here we come for day two. Now going into day two at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, it was a lot of walking to say the least, and a lot of walking the entire weekend. Uh, this is the first time I was able to walk up the corkscrew hill where it has the famous corkscrew letters. And uh, needless to say, the biggest thing that I took away was the fact that you should never walk up that hill in khakis. Lots of sweat was, <laughs> was, was gone. And uh, needless to say, that was a lot of walking and you're huffing and puffing. And now I'm in... I guess decent shape. I need to go out and run a little bit more. It's been a long time since I've been here in my track days. Uh, oh gosh, it makes it sound like I'm old. My old track days. <laughs> but uh, track days, cross country days, whatever. Uh, but I think I'm in semi-decent shape, but I was huffing and puffing as soon as I got to the top of that hill, which is a whole new world, mind you. There's a whole like little spot where there's little venues, little like little tents where you can buy food, water, alcohol, whatever you want, <laughs> and it was just such an incredible, like, little spot that I had no idea that they had an extra little place up there, which I think makes sense, obviously, because if you're walking all the way up there, you're not going to want to walk back down and get some food, so, you know, and needless to say, that viewing area up there is immaculate, like, just seeing the drivers go down through the corkscrew for the first time is just so eye-opening, it's just like, you see them sending those darn cars all the way through, and and like it lives up to the name corkscrew because it's just like it's almost like a hot wheels car if like you're taking like a hot wheels car and like you have like a tight like little like maneuvering area it looks exactly like that where they're just barreling down in and as long as they can keep the tires like sticking on it it's just going to send it down even farther and that was just such a cool thing to see for the first time and 
you know, plenty of video. I had to get as much video photos as possible. And shout out to my dad for taking so many incredible photos throughout the weekend. Um, and this, that whole experience up in the corkscrew was so cool. Um, I didn't want to just sit in the media center for practices and qualifying. I wanted to be able to go out and check out the entire venue. And I think the biggest thing that I took away from Laguna Seca is just the fact that any fan, like, you're going to be entertained no matter where you sit. Whether you're in one of the grandstands or off in, like, other, like, stands or you're just sitting around, like, the track in just, like, a little lawn chair. Like, no matter where you're sitting at, you're going to be entertained. You're going to have a great view. And I think the higher up you are, the cooler, just peaceful atmosphere you're going to get. And... I mean, go, from being at Watkins Glen for so many years, going to Watkins Glen for NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, it's, I mean, I didn't think that there was a more beautiful track than Watkins Glen International, but I feel like WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca is as high, if not higher, just in viewing parts and just the, just the whole aesthetic of the track in general and just the fact that you can look anywhere, no matter where you're walking. You can walk and you're like, whoa, another viewing area. It's just like, especially when you're all the way up where the corkscrew is and, you know, you can look right over here and boom, there's them barreling down in. And then when you look over here, there's nice, beautiful trees and they're just flying through there. And you look over here to the left and wow, like, look at this. Like, it's a whole like, oh, like right out of a movie type of thing where you're seeing cars whipping around. You see them go through the Andretti hairpin and then they go all the way up through here and it's just, I've never seen a track where you can see so much at once, and I think it's one of the biggest gems of a track in just in motorsports just around the world. And you know, I feel like people, if you've never been to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, you absolutely have to make the trip. I don't care where you're coming from, like coming from all the way from Pennsylvania all the way over to Monterey, California, so worth it. Like, you have to go to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. And no, they're not paying me. That's just an absolutely beautiful place. And I definitely want to make sure that I'm able to go back there at some point, just in some capacity. Now, the final little tidbit from Saturday's action on track was uh, I was able to talk to former Behind the Catch Fence guest and maybe soon to be guest again, Stingray Rob, Indy Lights driver uh, for Uncos Racing. Uh, I was able to talk to him for a little bit before um, the day was over and just to be able to talk to him. He's such a faith-driven, just really just humble guy. And, you know, he's around 20, 21 years old. I don't know exactly, but uh, he has the maturity level of like a 30, 40-year-old. And you guys should really follow Stingray Rob. He's such a great driver, such a great guy. And uh, shout out to you, Stingray. Um, you know, it's always great talking to him. And uh, that pretty much sums up day two at least on the track at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Oh, wait a second. You thought we were done with day two. You thought we were going to day three, but not quite, not so fast, <laughs> as Lee Corso of uh, College Game Day always says. So while we were driving, we were trying to figure out dinner, uh, which my dad and I didn't really do a very good job of getting quality dinners because I feel like we got done at the track so late and then I had to edit stuff for the video and it was very difficult to really go get like a sit down dinner. So, you know, as we're driving back dark out at this point and we see In-N-Out Burger, which I know a lot of people from California are like, In-N-Out Burger is the best thing ever. So you hear it so many times. So I'm like, dad, let's go here. So you get to In-N-Out Burger and needless to say, the 
line was very, very long. It stretched, it probably wrapped around in and out at least twice and two, three times. And then that goes all the way out past the parking lot, past the, it's on the main road, the, this whole line. And it goes all the way out, like maybe like a third of a mile, something like that, like all the way out. Cause there's just so many people that are like, I want to get in and out burger. So we're like, all right, we're just going to see how, the, how this goes. Uh, so the line went as quick as it could probably took like 30 minutes to get through whatever else but my quick review of In-N-Out Burger I think it's a little bit overrated I mean the burgers themselves were really good so obviously that's what they should be known for is their burgers the fries are mediocre I felt could have had a little bit more salt um, I'm always going to say Shake Shack is the best burger place in the world uh, you're not going to change my mind. Uh, my fiance and I <laughs> are pretty much advocates for Shake Shack. So if Shake Shack, you want to sponsor us, uh, hit me up. Now, welcome to day three at Laguna Seca, weather tech race with Laguna Seca. I swear, that's it's hard when, like, when tracks are sponsored by like a certain brand. It's just like, you know the track for Laguna Seca, but it's like, no, slap WeatherTech Raceway at or WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. You have no idea how many times I got that wrong on videos and just got frustrated because you're like, it's not the name. So, you know, obviously sponsors pay and uh, just glad that WeatherTech uh, is able to sponsor WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. But going on to day three, jam-packed day. Uh, let's just go right into it. Um, I was told that I was able to walk out on the grid while uh, pre-race is going on all of that. So... I was a little bit hesitant at first because you're like, oh gosh, how is this going to go? Um, but thankfully, I finally was like, all right, I'm just going to walk out here. So I get out there. Um, I'm kind of like tiptoeing in a way. Like, all right, uh, is this okay to do? You're kind of looking like side-eyeing with your sunglasses on. You're kind of side-eyeing like, all right, is this legal? So you start seeing like another random media person do it. You're like, all right, I'm just going to full send it. It's like all of a sudden, it's just like someone pushed you out there. So lots of incredible views on the grid. You know, you're walking up and down. Of course, the biggest, um, this the biggest person that was out on the grid, obviously, is Jimmy Johnson. He had a big entourage around him. And uh, you guys may know him, Graham Benzinger. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff with interviewing. Uh, I think he's doing a feature on Jimmy Johnson. So they were there all weekend, he and his crew. They were out there filming. And uh, I think they're filming at the time too. And I think we'll see an interview and like a feature at him being at Laguna Seca. So that'll be cool to watch. Uh, who knows when that'll come out. But, you know, so walk by Jimmy. And, and then the funniest part was while I was walking by uh, James Hinchcliffe, uh, his car and just what he was doing, all of a sudden I just hear a or like something like that. And I'm like, what in the world is that? So then I look over and probably from like me to you away, James is doing some type of thing. I guess he's describing how the car was doing. Like, nye, nye. like, I don't know. But he's got his crew laughing whenever you're like, yeah, that's that's Hinge pretty much in a nutshell. Um, but walking up and down the grids is one of the coolest things in all of sports. Like right before the guys are about to go do battle, you're walking around, you're like, wow, this is the car that potentially could win the race. And, you know, it's just like you can reach out, touch the car. And that was such a cool thing because you're like, wow, nobody else gets this type of access. And... Like, for instance, with, like, NFL, you're not going to be able to walk out on the field like that right before the game starts. Like, it's not going to happen. And, you know, and this grid walking, in my opinion, is the coolest thing in all of sports. You get to be right up close with the man and the machine. 
and you cannot top that. And I think it's just like it gets your adrenaline pumping. You're ready to go. You're ever you're ready to hop into the, one of those cars. And uh, lots of lots of great video uh, as you as you have been seeing. And um, you know, just grid walking, absolutely amazing. Uh, you guys, <laughs> like, if you're able to get a media pass, I know like a lot of times um, tracks they they give you like a like a pit pass as well. So like. If you're able to get a pit pass or something like that, that's the coolest thing you have to do. Um, I cannot get enough of it. I was ready to stay out there during pit stops, which probably wouldn't have been smart. But anyway, uh, so the race went on. Uh, Colton Herta won the race. The big key guy was Roman Grosjean. Came like flying through the final 15 laps. Ended up finishing on the podium in third. Alex Pillow, now champion, finished second. And, um, you know, after the race, they came into the media center. They were doing a whole press conference. Before I get to anything else, I have to say that James Hinchcliffe, you are the man, I'm telling you. Like, I know it's been a tough season for him, but after the race, I was able to speak with Hinch on pit lane right after, which it's crazy to think about. It's like you see it on TV. You see it everywhere. You're like, whoa, this is, like, really epic. So I'm walking down on pit road after... The race is over, so then you're walking, uh, you you pass by Pagenaud and Willpower, they're debriefing with the team, and uh, then I see Hinch, he's just kind of standing there, so you walk up to him and, you know, recognized each other, and, you know, it's like, you know, we're like, yeah, it's been a while since, you know, been on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever, and then I asked him quickly, you know, one minute, um, one minute interview, and then he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, and you know, then here's the uh, full interview, which included um, talking about his dogs, Lucy and Weller. James, I know it wasn't the best run for you guys today. Uh, what went wrong? Man, I don't think anybody predicted the tire wear going the way that it did, and you know, unfortunately, we uh, just came out of the came out of the gate with a super loose car. I think got a lot of guys were battling sort of the same thing, and um, I think. All in all, we probably took five turns of front wing out of the thing. We maxed out, taking wing out of it. So we were just chasing the balance all day on uh, on a difficult, you know, difficult tire strategy with uh, the way they were wearing. Like I said, that was the same for everyone, uh, but just didn't quite work out the way we wanted today. Anything else that uh, just kind of threw you off guard as the race kind of went on, or is about what you kind of think? No, I mean I think it's just uh, the thing that caught us off guard was just how much how much we had to adjust the car. You know, uh, we had reasonable balance and warm-up we were pretty happy with it so very surprised that it went the way that it did nothing that we did on on the setup would have indicated that's the way the car would have gone but uh, you know that's any car racing it's not easy so uh, we just learn uh, learn from this one and move on to the next one final question how are Lucy and Weller doing yeah they're doing well man can't <laughs> wait to get back and see him I hate it for just how bad his season has gone but you know he, there's he's gonna land in the right spot and whether that's in TV or in a partial schedule, full-time, who knows, but you know that how much he's brought to just IndyCar in general over the years, and hopefully we continue to see that, just that energy, uh, but it's always great talking to him. It's cool because I went from chasing him down for autographs and getting pictures with him every single race to now, like, interviewing him at the track, and, you know, it's, it's cool to see that dynamic, and he's always a great guy to talk to, um, but, yeah, that pretty much sums up the final day at Laguna Seca, and unfortunately it was the end of it, but I do have an interesting stat that we'll talk about right here in a second. Now the big key stat of the entire weekend was how much did David walk over the course of those three days at the track? So 
the final tally, which I will show on the screen here in a second, the final tally of how many miles I walked at Laguna Seca, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, was 23 and a half miles of walking. And, which is pretty nuts to think about. Never did that probably in four years, running track or cross country. Uh, that's a lot of walking up and down the corkscrew and just not wanting to stop walking and just getting the whole experience. And the amount of steps that was in total was 48,117. That's crazy. Like, I've never walked that much in my lifetime. And needless to say, I was pretty much pooped after <laughs> after those three days. So I did the final uh, recap video, and then I'm like, all right, I gotta go sleep. So, yeah, um, next up's travel day, so... Let's just say that was very much a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Now, needless to say, I felt all the effects of jet lag um, after, as we were traveling back. Uh, we were in Denver for like a two-hour layover, and while we were sitting there, I was sitting there, I'm like, oh boy, like sleep-deprived, and everything was just crazy, and top it all off, like two birds, I guess they were like flying around, and like they flew right next to us, and you're like, hey birds, <laughs> like you didn't know what to do, you're just completely just dead inside, but... Eventually, I was able, you know, we were able to get back to uh, BWI, and from there, you never guess I had to drive four and a half hours from D BWI all the way down to Lynchburg, where I'm at now for school. And uh, did I also mention that I had an 8:15 the very next day? <laughs> but um, that whole week was just trying to recover. And I think a couple days later, I just I couldn't go to any classes. I just felt like garbage after and. I think it took a couple days to really recover from just like time change, the sleep deprivation, to how many miles I walked, like 23 and a half miles is, you're gonna have to recover a whole year after that. Uh, but yeah, that <laughs> travel day was not the most fun, but you made it work and it was just so worth it, the end. With it being the first time I was able to be at a race, covering it for behind the catch fence was a dream come true. I can't thank you guys enough for making it all possible and uh, everyone that just helped along the way uh, while we were at the track and the drivers for allowing me to interview them and it's such a great experience that I'm always going to cherish and you know and I'm always a guy that loves to cherish every moment in life and uh, that's definitely one I'm going to always just have like this uh, whole collage up there which I'll show a picture as well and you know like when you're able to do something like that it's just like it makes you realize, wow, like this podcast came from literally me rambling on, not very confident to like being able to cover a race and meet so many great people. It's just a dream come true. And I can't thank everyone enough for making it all possible. Now, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's episode of the Laguna Seca Recap. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we will be talking about the silly season in IndyCar, which... We will bring all the updates to you guys. We will just talk about the, the all the moves that have already happened, what could happen, and obviously my takes as well on the moves that have happened already. Uh, so look out for that next week. Look out for this video to come out here soon. And I uh, can't thank you guys enough for watching, and uh, hopefully you guys have a great day. And uh, make sure to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Behind Catch. Go listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you later.